1: And in addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm both a master of the laws of taxation laws and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, also because of my education, my training, my experiences, and observation, and my lifelong interest in business, and money, and finance, and wealth creation, and wealth preservation, and wealth transfer, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. However, I also practice uh, in the related area of to bankruptcy, that is to say, debt, wealth management, also estates and trust, real estate, and of course, taxation law. Now, with these areas of law under my belt and my personal and small business finance experience as my focus, I've spent the greater part of the last 40 years both before I went to law school and got my license and afterwards fighting for the economic empowerment, independence, and autonomy of women, people of color, communities of color, including indigenous Americans, because I believe that these particular folks need to be focused on. And because of my military experience as a military brat, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes, and as I've shared with you before, I sometimes have the opportunity to at least seek out and attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the targets of, and more unfortunately, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse you can ever imagine that's running rampant in our society today. So I'm coming to you again today to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead... This show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provides you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you really need if you have a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your other assets. So, continuing the subject we broached last week, that is to say, conservatorships versus estate planning and person planning, let's dig a little bit deeper into this crucial area of law, because if we don't undertake the latter, that is to say, developing our own estate plan, while we have our wits about us, the former, that is to say, a conservatorship, will prevail and someone will be appointed by the probate court to make decisions about your estate and your person in that conservatorship. Now, my primary source material for this presentation are the California Probate Code and various volumes of estates and trusts and probate treaties that I use every day uh, that are... um, part of the continuing education of the bar in California, whose copyrights are held by the Regents of the University of California and, of course, my own research. First off, now, most conservatorships start with the same storyline. A concerned person notices that a friend or a family member or even a neighbor appears to be having trouble properly providing for their personal needs, or managing their financial resources, or resisting fraud, or resisting some kind of undue influence over their body and their estate. The concerned person generally contacts an attorney, like me, and they ask, you know, the attorney if they can help, and is a conservatorship the answer? It might be. And who should be the conservator? Well, we'll see. And and who should file the petition, who should be the petitioner. These questions are relevant to all conservatorships. So let's dig a little bit deeper. Now, this presentation will focus on general conservatorships, and as I shared with you last week, there's two major types. We're we're not going to focus on the one that uh, I told you was the Latterman-Petra Short Act. And that's the one where you can be involuntarily swooped up in a net and placed in a locked mental facility or other mental health facilities for treatment because you appear to be completely out of control. So we're going to focus on the general conservatorship. So what is a conservatorship and what is it for? A conservatorship is a protective court proceeding. Now, in a conservatorship of the person, the, the body, a court appointed fiduciary or conservator manages the personal care of the person who cannot properly provide for her personal needs or physical health or medical care, or food, or clothing, or shelter. Now, some of you asked why I always use she, as opposed to he or or, or him. I do this as a writing device, and it has to do with sexism in writing. When I went to school, we were told to use the feminine, because we need to catch up with all the times that him is used in referring. I'm not being disrespectful to men. Okay, it's a writing device. Continuing on here, the conservator decides where the conservatee lives. Again, we're talking about a conservatorship of the person. So the conservator decides where the conservatee lives and may be required to decide whether the conservatee should live at home or in an institution. The conservator must make sure that the place selected for the conservatee is the least restrictive appropriate alternative that is available and necessary to meet the individual's need. Now, the conservatorship of the estate, a court-appointed conservator manages the financial affairs of a person who is substantially unable to manage her own financial resources or to resist fraud or undue influence. The conservator's primary responsibility is to conserve, manage, and use the conservatee's property in California for the benefit of both the conservatee and those upon whom she is obligated to support. The conservator must use ordinary care and diligence. Okay, The court may appoint a conservator for the person or the estate or both for an adult. Again, a conservatorship is for an adult. If you're dealing with a minor, it's called a guardianship. Similar uh, kinds of rules apply to a guardianship, but again we're dealing with a child or someone who's not reached 18 years of age. A conservator of a person or a state may also be appointed for a person who voluntarily requests the appointment or who satisfies the court that there's a good cause. So I could, for good cause, um, petition myself, but there's an issue of why am I doing it because technically you shouldn't be in a conservatorship unless you've lost capacity. Okay, so continue on here. A conservatorship of the estate may also be established for a person who is an absentee. Now, that's defined as a member of the Uniformed Armed Services or an employee of the United States government or its agencies who is determined to be missing in action. An alternate to the conservatorship for an absentee is a set-aside procedure under the probate code where the family of the absentee comes into probate court and asks to control the estate while, say, for example, the armed service member is missing in action but not declared deceased. Now, the California Probate Code also authorizes appointment of a conservator for a person who is actually missing, but not in action, okay? And that's distinct from the absentee who's missing because of military or their CIA agent who's lost somewhere and and, and nobody knows where she, where he or she is, okay? Now, what are the effects of the establishment of a conservatorship? It shifts the responsibility for making financial and or personal care decisions from the conservatee to the conservator and imposes significant limitations on the conservatee's ability to act on her own behalf. Under a conservatorship of the estate, the property, a conservatee is presumed to lack the capacity to enter into a contract, to sell, transfer, or convey property, to make gifts, or to incur debt except in exceptional circumstances. They're also presumed to lack the ability to delegate power, to waive any of their rights, or to act as a fiduciary of someone else. Now, under a conservatorship of the person, the conservator uh, has to take care of the care, custody, and control of the conservator which includes the power to determine where the conservatee will live. Uh, the conservatee, however, is presumed to have the capacity to make her own medical decisions unless the court finds pursuant to a petition requesting that the conservator have exclusive medical powers under the probate code and that the conservatee lacks the capacity to make informed consent, which is a requirement uh, To make a medical decision So when we come back We're going to take a look At some recently enacted Protections for conservatees. But first we're going to take a short Break and I'll see you on the other side
0: Now back to Selwyn's Law Once again your host Selwyn Whitehead
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our foray into the intersection of probate law, elder law, conservatorship law, and estate planning law, and how the state can and will step in and appoint someone to control our persons and our property if we don't plan ahead for our own incapacity while we still have our wits about us. However, in the meantime, you should know that in the wake of the widely reported alleged financial and personal autonomy abuses in the matter of the conservatorship of Britney Spears and the not so widely reported case of the conservatorship of one of my childhood sheroes, Nichelle Nichols, who played first Lieutenant Uhura in the original Star Trek and received the rank of Lieutenant Commander in the film series, I... I, I I just want to back up a bit and just say there are limits uh, to uh, a conservatorship. And because the establishment of a conservatorship significantly curtails the conservatee's rights, the court may not appoint a conservator unless the need for one is established by clear and convincing evidence. The court must review the conservatorship, periodically to ensure that it remains in the best interest of the conservatee. Now, this provision, like most of the law of conservatorship, is in the probate code, and the primary purpose of the probate code is to have some stated public policy that protects the interests of conservatees. So getting to that, again, with what's gone on in the public concerning Britney Spears and uh, Lieutenant um, you we all should know that there have been some reforms that have recently been put on the books dealing with conservatorships. And as reported in uh, Bloomberg Law on October 12, 2021, in an article, an editorial by uh, a Bay Area attorney Andrew Verery of Hartog Bear and Han he outlined the new provisions that have been added to the California Probate Code and the rules governing attorneys like myself and court appointed conservators that are geared towards combating the abuses of the um, young and old who are currently or potential conservatees. Now, uh, Mr. Verity writes, on September 30, 2021, the same day a judge in Los Angeles suspended Jamie Spears as a conservator of Britney Spears, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law Assembly Bill 1194. Now, this legislation implements some significant measures to to curb abuses of conservatives and afford conservatives or proposed conservatives the ability to meaningfully advocate against the deprivation of their rights. And he gives a short summary of some of these increased protections. Number one, protections of a conservative's right to representation AB 1194 replaces California Probate Code Section 1471, which addresses certain circumstances in which the court must appoint counsel for a conservatee or a proposed conservatee. Under the new law, the conservatee or proposed conservatee has the right to select counsel of his or her choice and has the right to to counsel on appeal from certain orders, including those appointing a conservator uh, or terminating the uh, conservatorship or removing a conservator. This is a a very important right because heretofore, yeah, you might not have had an opportunity to have your own counsel. The counsel would have been working for the conservator. That's a, a big move here. As well, the new law clarifies the role of the conservatees or proposed conservatives counsel is that of a zealous advocate for the conservatee or proposed conservatee, representing the wishes of their client consistent with the duties set forth in Section 6068 of the Business and Professional Code and the California Rules of Professional Conduct. This alteration of the role of court-appointed counsel clarifies an issue impacting conservatees and proposed conservatees across California. Again, the conservatee is entitled to have adequate representation, representation, and that representation is for the conservatee as best she can articulate it to her counsel. Now, many counties did not treat court-appointed counsel as an advocate, but rather as a voice uh, for what the counsel thought was in the best interest of the conservatee or the proposed conservatee. So you, do, you, do you see the difference? It's what the counsel thought was best, not what the her client thought was best, and that's changed. At times, these practices went so far as to codify obligations of court-appointed counsel to report to the court as to what their impressions were, whether or not those diverged from the express wishes of their clients. As a result, conservatives or uh, proposed conservatives were left without meaningful representation, cast adrift in a process resulting in the deprivation of their rights. Now with these clarified requirements of court-appointed counsel, conservatives and proposed conservatives now have the protection of an advocate to fight against their deprivation of their rights. Another component of AB 1194 is Adds California Probate Code Section 1851.6, which provides an avenue to investigate elder abuse within the, a conservatorship. Previously, upon a discharge of the court appointed counsel for a conservatee, the conservatee was left without practical avenues to address their abuses. Generally speaking, the conservator, or if the conservatee had a trust, the trustee, were the only individuals that could pursue claims of elder abuse committed against the conservatee. Under the new statute, any interested person with personal knowledge of a conservatee may petition the court to investigate allegations of elder abuse of the conservatee by the conservator. This new provision provides the ability for friends and family members to come to the aid of conservatives who are subject to abuse. The court investigator shall investigate allegations that establish a prima facie case of abuse unless the investigation occurred in the prior six months or upon a showing of good cause. There are some additional penalties for fiduciaries who act in bad faith. AB 1194 adds probate code section um, 2112, which provides statutory penalties against a conservator who abuses his or her conservatee. If you're a professional conservator, there civil penalties of up to $10,000 for each separate act of abuse and if you're an individual not professional uh, uh, a, a fiduciary it's $1,000 per act. Now this section also requires the court to report the finding or penalties against professional fiduciaries to the Professional Fiduciaries Bureau. Now in another uh, component of the law is e- there must be an investigation of complaints regarding conservators. Business and Professional Code Section 6580 increases specific events of fiduciary abuse that the Professional Fiduciary Bureau within the Department of Consumer Affairs must investigate. Among other things, the Bureau must now investigate alleged elder or dependent adult abuse or breaches of any of the fiduciary's duties uh, causing financial, physical, or mental harm. The Code now mandates imposition of sanctions against the fiduciary if any of these issues are found to be going on and are sustained. Also, the new law creates a task force that's going to study conservatorship uh, proceedings in general. AB 1194 adds section 1458 to the probate code, which requires that the Judicial Council report to the legislature by January 1, 2024, on the effectiveness of conservatorships in protecting the legal rights and best interests of conservatives. This report will include a study of cases for the fiscal year 2018 through 2019. The study will hopefully identify additional areas in which California can continue to improve upon the conservatorship process by ensuring the appropriate use of conservatorships and increasing protections for conservatives. So we're gonna leave it there for now. now. But we're gonna continue our discussion of the intersection of probate law and estate planning as a means to combat financial and personal abuses of our fellow citizens who suffer cognitive decline, including a new class of cognitively impaired individuals. Those are black and some brown current and retired National Football League players who have suffered latent effects of the concussions and then have been denied full access to a fund set up to compensate them due to something called race norming, which I just say is a new form of racism and a form of financial elder abuse. So we're going to leave it there for now, but as always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including laws designed to have our wishes concerning our persons in our property respected in our waning years or years when we lose cognition, even if we're not so old, or even when we cross over to the other side and live out our new iteration. But in the meantime, please get vaccinated until we have herd immunity. Keep your social distance mask up and wash your hands. Till next time, take care. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money, know your rights, partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content